0: Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, October 23rd. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. President Trump and Democratic rival Joe Biden taken to the stage in Nashville for one last battle before Election Day. At least 50 million votes already cast and just 11 days to go. And on the stage, Biden hammering the president for his response to the coronavirus pandemic while a new wave of cases continues to grow, almost 72,000 new infections in just the last 24 hours. And just days after it was revealed that the parents of more than 500 children forcibly separated at the border still have not been located, new effort by the White House and ICE to fast-track deportations. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest of the scheduled presidential debates for this 2020 election season. The scene unfolding in Nashville, Tennessee, where President Trump tried to make his case for four more years, while Democratic contender Joe Biden attacked the president for the White House's response to the coronavirus pandemic and the economy. Pedro Rojas joins us from Nashville with a recap of how it all played out.
1: Well, both candidates had a chance last night to speak for themselves, and I said that because they did follow the rules as far as keeping the two minutes for each candidate and allow them to respond to the questions. When it came to the topic of COVID-19, both candidates had this much to say.
2: 220,000 Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths, should not remain as president of the United States of America. It will go away, and as I say, we're rounding the turn, we're rounding the corner. We're about to go into a dark winter, a dark winter, and he has no clear plan. Now
1: when talking about health care, this is how the candidates approach the issue.
2: We have to provide health insurance for people at an affordable rate, and that's what I do.
3: He was now there as vice president for eight years. He didn't do anything. He didn't do it. He wants socialized medicine. He's a very confused
2: guy. He thinks he's running against somebody else. This is the guy who's tried to cut Medicare.
1: And then there came the the topic of the economy, and this is what Trump warned about what his opponent can do. If he gets in, you will have a depression, the likes of which
2: you've never seen. Your 401ks will go to hell. What is on the ballot here is the character of this country.
1: Finally, both candidates also spoke about the subject of race in America, and this is what they said.
2: I think I have great
3: relationships with all people. I am the least racist person in this room.
2: Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. He pours fuel on every single racist fire.
1: Now, both candidates are back on the campaign trail. President Trump will remain in Florida over the weekend. And as we know, in the next few days, a lot of the, what was said last night here at this university in Nashville will take on the issue of oil also as well because as we heard last night lay in the debate, Vice former vice President Joe Biden said that he is willing to transition out from the oil and industry. That has caused a lot of reactions, especially in the southern states where the oil industry has a big presence. This is what's happening now after this second and last debate before the general election. back to you.
0: Thank you, Pedro, for that report. And in this final debate, both candidates unleashed a series of claims. Some were misleading, others were outright false. Andrea Linares has our final debate fact check.
4: The final presidential debate striking a calmer tone than the first. Both candidates focusing more on policy and issues that affect the American people. However, the debate was still riddled with questionable claims, many of them even false. First topic, the coronavirus.
3: It will go away. And as I say, we're rounding the turn, we're rounding the corner. It's going away.
4: But that's rated as false. Cases are currently increasing in at least 34 states, according to Johns Hopkins University. And hospitalizations are rising in 37 states. Meanwhile, on health care.
2: Not one single person with private insurance would lose their insurance under my plan, nor did they under Obamacare. They did not lose their insurance unless they chose they wanted to go to something else.
4: He's wrong about Obamacare. When it took effect in 2014, several million people lost individual health insurance plans that no longer met minimum standards established by the law. Five, On immigration, Biden called out President Trump enough. about the 545 migrant children who have been separated from their parents.
3: They are so well taken care of. They're in facilities that were so clean.
4: That would be false. At the height of the family separations in 2018, border patrol facilities were cramped well beyond capacity with migrants, according to watchdog reports and the lawyers. Flu and sickness ran rampant. Another issue right, that's let me, taken center stage: fracking. Biden I
2: to have never said I oppose fracking.
4: However, Biden did make anti-fracking comments during the Democratic primary in 2019 and 2020.
1: Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration?
2: No. It would be, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those.
3: And then
4: there were the personal attacks
2: between the candidates. You were getting
3: a lot of money from Russia. They were paying you a lot of money, and they probably still are.
2: I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life.
4: So far, there's been no evidence of wrongdoing on Biden's part, and Biden strenuously denied any foreign revenue streams from the debate stage. Now, the big question is, can this final presidential debate have an impact on the race to the White House? Many political experts agree that any effect on the election could be minimal, considering that at least 50 million ballots have already been cast, and only a small fraction of voters say their minds could be changed.
0: In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And joining me now is Stephen Munoz-Perez. He's a professor and chair of the Politics and International Affairs Department at Northern Arizona University. Thanks for being here, Stephen. What was your biggest takeaway from the night? How did the candidates do, in your opinion?
5: Hi, Lorraine. Um, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I think the biggest takeaway is that people are, are They're um, pretty much decided on who they're going to support. If you were supportive of of Biden, then you thought Biden won uh, the debate, if you were supportive of Trump. Um, So there's not a whole lot of minds being changed out there right now.
0: Steven, immigration came up for the first time in a debate this season, the moderator pressing Trump on how they plan to locate the parents of more than 500 children separated at the border. Let's listen.
3: children are brought here by coyotes and lots of bad people, cartels, and they're brought here and they used
2: to use them to get into our country. 500 plus kids came with parents. They separated them at the border to make it a disincentive to come to begin with. It's not coyotes didn't bring them over, their parents were with them. They got separated from their parents and it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation.
0: What did you take away from both their answers on the issue, seeing that we've been dealing with this situation on immigration for so long?
5: Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the first things we notice is that the the gaslighting and the lying about, you know, the border and the problems at the border haven't stopped with this administration. Um, We saw recently with uh, Pope Francis, you know, coming out and speaking publicly about how cruel the policy of the the Trump administration has been! Um, and earlier this month, we saw that Secretary Pompeo his his visit to the Vatican was declined by the Pope. Um, you know, there's there's that aspect of it. There's uh, Donald Trump being wrong about one percent only one percent of those uh, who are who who are released uh, come back for uh, for hearings. Um, so I think the administration has demonstrated over and over again that they not only lack the moral compass. Uh, to lead on immigration. But the practical knowledge of, of what's going on the border is, is largely based on on stereotypes, on, on, on boogeymen. Um, and, you know, we saw last night that that hasn't changed very much for Donald uh, uh, for Trump.
0: But moving on to Biden, he was also pressed on his time as vice president under the Obama administration and that administration's failure to deliver immigration reform. Let's take a look at the moment.
2: And the fact is, I've made it very clear within 100 days, I'm going to send to the United States Congress a pathway to citizenship for over 11 million undocumented people. And all of those so-called dreamers, those DACA kids, they're going to be immediately certified again to be able to stay in this country and put on a path to citizenship.
0: How do you think Biden handled the topic?
5: Well, I, I think Biden reflects, uh, you know, a, a movement of the country in a direction that we've seen for the last 20 years. Um, you know, saying that he's going to give a pathway uh, to, to citizenship uh, for DREAMers is a totally uncontroversial, you know, statement to make today. Um, and that is attributable to, you know, to folks like President Obama, and I mean, he's the one who created DACA. Um, the difference is that Biden's going to have a, a totally different political landscape that Obama did in 2008. Obama had to contend with uh, the Tea Party, with the resurgent Republicans, uh, with the growth uh, in anti-immigrant behavior or anti-immigrant sentiment because of uh, because of the recession that many folks were blaming immigrants on. Um, and Biden's not going to have to deal with that. And by him saying that he's going to give a pathway to citizenship, virtually nobody flinched by him saying that.
0: In terms of style, this debate gave people a chance to see more of a restrained Trump. Could this be an opportunity for skeptical Republicans mm-hmm. to give him another four years? <laughs>
5: um, yeah, I mean, I guess, by, I guess if you mean that we have to have someone literally cut off his mic uh, to restrain him and at least give the appearance of restraint, um, maybe, yeah, I guess there was a um, I think there was a sense that this was probably the most civil debate we've seen out of uh, Donald Trump. Um, but I, I think we have to remember that um, the idea that we have to cut off mics uh, from a person uh, or from a, a presidential candidate is really unprecedented. And so um, this is one of these sorts of facades of, of civility that that many people are attributing to Donald Trump. Uh, the reality is is much different from that, in, in that we had to literally—you um, you know, cut his mic off to, to ensure that he couldn't speak uh, whenever he wanted to.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight, Stephen. Nuno Perez of Northern Arizona University. My pleasure. And meanwhile, more than 50 million Americans have already cast ballots in the U.S. presidential elections, with 11 days to go in the 2020 campaign. Voters here in the U.S. maintain that pace. It could lead to the highest voter turnout in over a century, according to data from the U.S. Elections Project. So far, the 2008 election holds the record for highest turnout, with 62 percent of people voting. And as Americans living in all 50 states and overseas decide whether to cast their vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump, U.S. citizens living on the island of Puerto Rico who can't vote for president will instead vote on an issue that lies at the very heart of the island's identity, whether or not it should become the 51st state of the United States. That move would allow them to vote for president in future elections. Currently, U.S. citizens living in any of the U.S. territories, including Puerto Rico, cannot not vote in the U.S. presidential election. Statehood would mean Puerto Rico would get two seats in the U.S. Senate, approximately five in the House of Representatives, and seven electoral votes for U.S. president. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, the Senate is preparing for a full vote on Monday for Judge Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation to the Supreme Court, despite Democratic opposition. If she makes it to the high court, Barrett would give the Supreme Court a conservative majority. Edwin Pitti has the latest from Washington, D.C. Edwin?
6: I'll Lorraine. The scenario is almost set for the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett as a new member to the Supreme Court. However... Today and tomorrow, senators will complete the steps that they need to do to make it happen. Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee voted to advance Josh Barrett's nomination after Democrats boycotted the vote. The panel voted 12 to 0, so she could be confirmed as early as Monday. Instead of attending the hearing, Democrats put large posters around their seats of individuals they talked about last week's hearings, individuals that could be affected if the Affordable Care Act comes to an end. This is what Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer had to say.
3: We are boycotting this illegitimate hearing. The nomination of Amy Coney Barrett is the most illegitimate process I have ever witnessed in the Senate. And her potential confirmation will have dire, dire consequences for the Senate, for the Supreme Court and
6: our entire country for generations to come. Lorraine, things could change constantly because of all the Senate procedures one party could use against the other. But as of now, we know that today and tomorrow, senators will continue working on Capitol Hill, so we could expect a lot of votes and additional points of order during the weekend. Then on Sunday, they'll have the closure vote at 1 p.m. And because of Senate rules, they are to wait 30 hours before the final vote vote that could happen as soon as Monday at any time after 8 o'clock at night. Live in Washington, D.C. Lorraine, back to you.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for that report. The U.S. reporting a huge jump in cases in 24 hours in a span very short as experts warned that we have in fact entered the second wave of coronavirus infections. This says the FDA makes an important announcement regarding treatment and the search for a vaccine makes significant process. progress. In 24 hours, the U.S. seeing a jump of almost 10,000 cases, a clear indication cases are rising exponentially. There's some very difficult times that are ahead of us, and we have to hunker down and get ready for the winter. In White House Coronavirus Task Force reports obtained by CNN this week, officials say there are early signs of deterioration in the Sun Belt and continued deterioration in the Midwest and across the northern states. On Thursday, Illinois, Montana, Oklahoma, Utah, and Ohio reported their highest daily case counts since the pandemic began.
3: does not seem like we're even starting to get to a plateau.
0: As the numbers increase, the race for the vaccine continues.
2: We are on the path uh, towards having, I believe, a very good likelihood within the next couple of months uh, of having at least one vaccine directed against SARS-CoV-2 that will be found to be safe and effective in phase three trials of tens of thousands of individuals.
0: U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar says a vaccine could be available to all Americans by the end of March or early April. Pfizer is now the first company to test its vaccine on children, enrolling its youngest volunteer, 12-year-old Abhinav. His father is also participating in Pfizer's trial for adults. I think that it's Pretty cool to like participate in this like research study. I was nervous, but mostly for like the blood test. On the treatment front, remdesivir has now become the first drug in the U.S. to be FDA approved for treating coronavirus infections. Earlier this month, the World Health Organization sponsored a global study that found remdesivir did not help COVID-19 patients recover faster or survive the virus. But a U.S. study shows that it did shorten recovery time by about a third for some patients. Meanwhile, a new report published by the Journal Annals of Internal Medicine says people with Down syndrome are 10 times more likely to die from coronavirus due to weaker immune systems and cardiovascular issues. And pharmaceutical company Moderna, which is also working on a COVID-19 vaccine, says it has finished enrolling all 30,000 participants. All of the participants have also received their first shot of either the vaccine or, or a placebo, and most have received the required second shot. Moderna's president, Dr. Stephen Hodge, says the company is on track to apply to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for authorization to put the vaccine on the market. He says that could happen in early December if quote, all stars align. More of you news after this short break. Welcome back to U News. The East Troublesome Fire in Grand County, Colorado, just west of Denver, continues to rage, growing to 170,000 acres as it crossed the continental divide and forced new evacuations. Wildlife is also fleeing the flames. The fire, which burned a yet undetermined number of homes and buildings while threatening Rocky Mountain National Park, has become the second largest wildfire in Colorado's recorded history. And in California, what is believed to be the first claim against Pacific Gas and Electric was filed on Thursday. The claim, filed by a Redding, California law firm, says that the utility caused the Zog fire and is a complaint for property damage and personal injuries. Their client is a local family that was forced to flee that fire. The massive blaze killed four people and destroyed 200 structures in Shasta County. Many people in that area cannot afford fire insurance and lost Everything in the inferno. And now turning to immigration, just days after it was revealed that the United States government cannot locate the parents of 545 children who were forcibly separated from their loved ones, the administration is now moving forward with the expedited deportation of undocumented immigrants. Here's Salvador Duran.
3: First in Los Angeles is
0: a 35-year-old Mexican
7: national. Effectively, immediately, U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents can expedite the removal of undocumented immigrants from the United States who cannot prove that they have been in the country for at least two years and have no criminal record. ICE can proceed thanks to a recent order issued by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit on September 30, 2020. Pro-immigrant advocates have denounced the policy as inappropriate and cruel.
1: This was a decision uh, by a conservative court uh, that I don't think took into account the political reality on the ground. And also, the dire consequences of doing these mass arrests where collateral damage typically means that innocent immigrants are being arrested, separated from their families, and deported immediately. I think that it goes without saying that once again, the Donald Trump administration uh, has to be characterized as inconsiderate and cruel against immigrants and people of color.
7: Maria, an immigrant from Mexico who does not have a criminal record, says she is afraid to go out and fears that she might get caught and be deported. ICE released a statement outlining who is subject to express deportation and allowing an exception for unaccompanied alien children. It includes aliens who are not already subject to an expedited removal designation, are encountered anywhere in the United States, have been admitted or paroled into the United States, are determined to be inadmissible under the Immigration and Nationality Act and have not affirmatively shown to the satisfaction of an immigration officer that they have been physically present in the United States continuously for the two-year period immediately preceding the date of the determination of inadmissibility
6: there's no doubt that this new strategy will be implemented not only at the border but anywhere in the U.S. You could be assured that during the next two weeks between now and the elections, you're going to see this administration trying to implement this new strategy as a political tool to harden Trump's supporters. Community activists across the country are already planning legal
7: and civil actions to try to stop the Trump administration from implementing the order they will have to appeal to a higher court. In Los Angeles, I'm Salvador Dren, U News.
0: And as the coronavirus pandemic continues to batter so many different areas of the economy, the plight of domestic workers, many of them Latina, is increasingly coming into view. Blanca Rosa Vilches has more on their ongoing struggles.
1: It's a Mexican dance to pay tribute to the victims of coronavirus. All of them domestic workers, like Judith Bautista.
7: Now about uh, COVID-19, a lot of women uh, get sick, and the jobs, and they cut it out. So I think that's very, very important. Uh, Cory Johnson passed the Intro 339 uh, because it's uh, protect us from the discrimination.
1: According to a study, in 20,000 cleaners nannies and home care workers in at least 48 states, more than half of respondents were unable to pay their rent or mortgages. More than three quarters were food insecure. Nearly nine in 10 survey respondents are mothers, and three in four are the primary breadwinners in their household.
6: We're also using this moment to call on speaker Corey Johnson to bring the New York City human rights law to the floor for a vote because we know domestic workers deserve to have human rights and we see that more than ever right now, especially as we're dealing with the pandemic.
1: The domestic workers say that their problems have always been here, only that the pandemic has made it even worse. In New York, Blanca Rosa Beaches, you News.
0: Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.